Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. Crypto Talk Radio is back. We've had a lot of changes happen very recently, and I'm going to go through those. I am, I don't want to say excited. Let's say I'm motivated. That's probably the better word to say it. This won't take too long for me to break down the particulars at the top, CryptoTalkRadio.net. Amazing looking site. I do encourage you to take a look at the site. It has changed. If you haven't seen it in a long time, it is dramatically different. I encourage you to look at the current version. It's way better. You can actually play our podcast audio directly from the site. And then, of course, in the upper right, our triad membership is live for those that are interested. Learn more about the show and what we're doing at the long, the top in the about section. Send us a message at the contact section. There's a lot out there. So please do take a moment. Check the site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. Be familiar with it. I do want you to learn about what we're doing because I believe that we're doing it different than anybody else. Simply the best, better than all the rest, like Tina Turner says. With the triad membership, though, and Frantic, who I give a shout out to, did encourage me to make sure I mention it again. But the triad membership, you really don't know what you're missing. I guarantee you there's going to be exciting things for being a member and you support the show and you help the show and the brand grow and give you more quality content and continue stepping up our game. So all that's at CryptoTalkRadio.net if you are interested. And then, of course, we now have two, basically two shows. Essentially, it's two shows, but they're programs underneath the CryptoTalk Radio brand. Number one, we have Basic Cryptonomics. That's what you're listening to right now. That's the podcast will always be the podcast, and it's also the core of the information that we share. Second, new, is Leicester Live. Leicester Live is a YouTube-exclusive program. For those that like more video, more interactivity, the ability to chat along, the ability to kind of talk with the host and have some fun, there are shorter episodes than the podcast by far and away. However, it's going to have some exclusive content. There's going to be some stuff you hear on Leicester Live that you won't hear on Basic Cryptonomics and vice versa. Basic Cryptonomics will always be the core of what we cover because that's where we started. It's what got us to the dance. With all that said, I want to get into some news bits real fast. After I cover the news bits, we're going to cover our underdog token for the day. So strap in because we got a pretty exciting episode here. And then I also want to update you on what's going on with my client. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I started my new endeavor yesterday. Today was the second day with the endeavor. And I got to be honest here, straight up. I walked away from the first day somewhat greatly concerned, not because of anything like malicious or evil or any of that. It was just, you know, it's, it's, it would be like you're walking into a burning building. Like that was what my impression was when I heard what they were talking about. I got a walkthrough of what they needed and where they're at and where they're going, it felt like you were literally walking into a burning building. You were asked to step, step side to side into a burning building to go and retrieve your girlfriend's daughter's toy. Like that's, that's what it felt like the first day in this. Now, today, we've had a little bit more conversations and I'm learning a little bit more that ideally would have been told up front, but I think they just didn't want to scare me away. But had I heard it up front, I'd have been way more excited which is that ultimately part of the reason that I'm there is because they know it's a dumpster fire. They know that there's a lot to do and they know that there's a lot that needs help and I want to help. I want to help clean it up because I don't want to have to deal with stuff, but also I want them to feel good about the solution. And I told them, I want them to feel like they don't need me. By the time I'm done, 
Anybody should be able to do this because that's where the value comes in. That's where you're going to get the best bang for your buck. And there's a lot of turmoil recently and some future stuff that's going to be happening that I think will get us to where I'd like to be working with them. I think we'll be in a good spot. So I'm feeling much better today, folks. I don't feel as like as I did yesterday. I feel much better, but it's going to take some time. Now, the contract has some constraints on the time consumption, so I'm okay with that. And there are some people there that are a bit challenging, and I'll work past that. But I think I have the good advocacy of the person that ultimately I'm going to be directly talking to. So I think we're good. I'll have to play it by ear. And again, time, we're going to have to just kind of measure time. So this time slot right now, which is just after lunchtime, is probably about when I'm going to be doing recording-ish, because by this time... They're kind of winding down and there's less need for me as we start ramping up on some of the work. It'll shift a little bit to like 3 p.m. Pacific ish, and then we'll build a groove and go from there. So that's there. It's in the process. And then we just have to work the nuts and bolts of compensation. Once compensation starts flowing, we're off to the races. I can get the heck out of Nevada, which I'm excited. Hercules, Hercules about getting the hell out of here now. Let's get to some crypto news, shall we? Because there's a little bit of it, not a lot. You might have noticed that the the markets can't seem to make up their mind if they want to go on a bull run or not. And you might seem to notice that some projects like Satama, for example, tanked, absolutely tanked. Satama is at a horrible, horrible low. I can't remember where I bought in for Satama. I can't frankly remember how low it was when I bought into it. Right now, it's got, what, eight zeros? Looks like eight zeros on the price. And I want to say I bought in when it was eight zeros or maybe just shortly before eight zeros. I know it wasn't that far away. And so if we're at that price, that's right around when it would have been September-ish. Now, this could be a good thing depending on who you are and how you feel about the team and the project. I do know there's a complete loss of confidence in the Satama team has done because unfortunately they have not done arguably what I would like to have seen them do, which is to focus on the right things for the right reasons. As a result, the price has steadily gone down. The, you know, who I call the cult leader recently went up on some AMA or some tweet or something. And he basically told people hold, just hold because price is going down. Right. And he told people to just hold and Blee's on his channel. He called out that, well, that was bad advice, because if you had simply sold while it was going down in this one situation, because you knew it's a downtrend, sell before it bleeds ever more. Wait for a little bit of a pump. You can buy at the base and then you would have dollar costed average is kind of what that's described. You'd have been in a better situation than the hold strategy. But it was kind of funny because. It seems like every time this guy talks, the price tanks. It does. It's like clockwork. It doesn't matter what he says at this point. It tanks every time he says something. I noticed that some of the contracts that are selling look like they could be devs to possibly just dumping out of the project. I can't say for sure. But I, I, it makes me think that there's possibly something that's going to happen with Satama. I don't know what it is. I don't even know if I'm right. All I know is it's been bleeding. It's been bleeding hot and heavy down 32% over the week. That's not good. Even though we're in kind of a bear type situation overall, you wouldn't expect to see this much on the decline. It's, it's shocking 
especially because this one, I believe, hit the billion in terms of market cap at one point. It was up there. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of tanks and nobody's really interested in the project. And when people try to buy, there's still this continual sell pressure that's harming the project's momentum and velocity. So we'll have to play it by ear on what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not making a prediction on it. I'm telling you, it looks like something's going wrong and nobody knows specifically what that is. Now, in the larger, broader spectrum, we saw that Ethereum unfortunately dropped to where we didn't think it would go. I believe it dropped below 2,500. Remember, Ethereum had peaked well over 4,000. So this is not like change that we're talking here. It's dropped a lot. Bitcoin has dropped a lot. Some people came out and said they think Bitcoin might drop as low as 10,000. Remember, Bitcoin peaked at over 60,000. So for it to be anywhere near 30, is surprising because Bitcoin, of course, was the first. Bitcoin arguably has the most value to it of every token out there. Bitcoin's been at the center, but it has a cascade issue. This BNB, Ethereum, Bitcoin, there's a cascade issue. I want to explain how this works at a surface level. When you have a cryptocurrency of any kind, they are pegged to some, usually it's one of the gas tokens, Usually at the exchanges, it's pegged to whatever people are trying to trade. So could be a stable coin, could be Bitcoin, could be BNB, could be Ethereum, whatever. And there's these pairs. As the pairs are tied together, that pair as a singular value, you basically calculate it based on where the source tokens price is and then the destination price. So for example, if I know that my token, my crypto is worth a dollar and I tie it to a stable coin, the value of that pair should be $1. Nobody does this. <laughs> we, you know, nobody does that. So if you have a token now and it's tied to Bitcoin, the value of that pair is decreasing too. So if you're holding, the value of the token is going down because the value of the pairs is going down and the value of everything else is going down. You're suffering because whatever the paired token is, they're decreasing in value. And you can't stop it. So if it's a token that's not on the centralized exchanges, you could have this token over here and it's on a decentralized exchange. Decentralized exchanges have just as many pairs to them and the pairs have just as much volatility. So regardless of whether it's descend or send, you're still subject to the idea about liquidity pairs. Liquidity pairs are always going to be the bane of trading with cryptocurrency because you're subject to the whims of whatever crypto that's in each pair. So some have people said, well, why aren't we pegging to stable coins? The irony is that there are tokens that have pegged to stable coins. Hex, for example, Hex has a pair that's pegged to a stable coin. The problem is it is one of the least used of the pairs because most people are just used to, I take my Ethereum, I tie it in there and do whatever, whatever. They're not, we've never had a standard process that has said, let's peg to something other than the gas token. Hex is unique in that one of its most popular pairs always had been the USDC. And they prioritize, you know, we're going to focus this direction. We're going to actually put more energy and effort and money into the stable coin to help stabilize the value over the Ethereum. So now what you see is that the liquidity pair is shifted liquidity volume rather is shifting towards the USDC increasingly. That's good for investors, 
But when you look at the price, it's not having a significant impact. In fact, the pair that's tied to USDC, its price is lower than that that's tied to Ethereum. You're like, how is that possible? It's because you still have predominantly, in terms of volume, traffic in Ethereum is significantly higher than it ever would be on the, on stablecoin. So while it stabilizes your value, assuming a certain volume or greater, when volume is down on whatever that is, the pair is, that means you're also going to lose some price on this other one. Volume goes up. More people are dumping tokens. So your stable coin does go up, but Ethereum still runs the roost. It always has because it's the gas token. It's, it's kind of like a trap in the way I perceive it. You're banking on this token that you kind of have no choice but to deal with because it's an Ethereum based token. So you have to have a pair tied to Ethereum. The Ethereum is getting consumed anyway because it's used for gas, which means its volume is necessarily higher, which influences its price over what the stablecoin would do. Because remember, even if you trade on the stablecoin, you're still consuming gas for that transaction. So my theory, and it's only my theory, and you're probably going to find quite a few people who disagree with me. My theory is that it's all a big elaborate ruse from the idiot Vitalik in the way it was built. And I know he's come out later since and said, we got to fix this point is he allowed it to get to this point where we created this dependency on the gas token. And because the gas tokens always in play, it's always going to be the higher value liquidity pool. That's what I'm getting at. Like it doesn't even matter at this point, how much volume like transactional volume goes through it. We've forced this liquidity pair of the gas token to intrinsically be more valuable in the price movement because you're always having to use gas to do the transaction in the first place. That's my tinfoil hat and I stick to it folks. So now as you watch the graph and by the way, I suggest you don't stare at the graph. I'm saying whenever you look at the graph, don't stare at it. It'll just depress you. But as you watch the graph, what are we seeing? Well, we're seeing a couple different things. We're seeing that Bitcoin is suffering. We're seeing that Ethereum is suffering. We're seeing that B, uh, yeah, Binance, BNB is suffering. We're seeing that all these gas and primary tokens are suffering widespread. However, we're still seeing a bunch of new tokens get set up. The flip of that is that many tokens are dying before they ever get off the ground. There's sites that track certain types of tokens and their launch and whether or not they completely died after launch. Like they came out and said, yep, we're here, rah, rah, and we got it different. And we're going to make this work, deep, deep, deep. And then next thing you know, yep, that's dead. It rugged or yep, that's dead. The devs ghosted it or yep, that's dead. <laughs> they gave the money back. Um, Ascent Protocol, it did a presale. Right. And then they it failed. They couldn't get enough people to buy. So they gave the money back to people forever. Financial freedom. It just basically died and took people's money. Like we're seeing that now it's harder for these tokens to st stand up and sustain. I want to talk about why that's so important, especially now. If we're not able to get more tokens that are able to set up and sustain, it might be a good thing. And you're like, why? Because. The less scam, the less tokens overall we get, the less scams by just simple probability that we're going to end up with. It means it's you're going to have to work harder to get your token to get to the point that it's going to be able to rip somebody off. Does not mean you're not going to have scams. You're going to have scams. They're going to happen. It is what it is. I'm saying you should be able to get to a point where we say, okay, I see that this token is not going to last for the long term, right? 
Now, when you do an evaluation of the token projects that you think you might want to invest in, that's one less thing you got to check off your list because you can literally go through the basic review that you would always do, but it should in theory get easier to identify the ones that are not going to last beyond that first. For example, let's say a token shows up and liquidity is like hundred dollars, thousand dollars. You're like, okay, that means that they don't have a lot of skin in the game, right? Well, you could have another one and they do pink sale. You've heard me say, I believe pink sale sets up scams. Well, if they do that, that means it has a high risk of being a scam, right? So you can decide maybe you're a gambler and you're like, you know, I'm just going to go for it because why not? Cool. But then you'd make the decision. I'm not going to YOLO into it. And da, 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 da. Let's say something comes out and it's on a network that you don't recognize like Hedera <laughs> that hardly nobody uses. There's a lot of transactions, but nobody really uses it. Now you can decide, do I want to take that risk of an unknown network lesser used by people or do I want to stick with known networks like Avalanche and Ethereum and Binance and be done with it? When I look at their site, do they even have a freaking website? And if they don't have a website like ShapeDAO, right, maybe I don't invest in it or perhaps they have a website and it's garbage. I believe that this that we're seeing might make it easier to identify garbage products um, in the big picture because they're they're going to have to work harder to stay around. Obviously, anybody can spit up a token and like ghost it and then it's whatever. But if they're looking, if you're looking, you see, okay, liquidity is blatantly unlocked and the team wallet, the owner has a crap ton of tokens. And like you can tell, you know, these guys are positioning for a rug pull. That's why I was like with Titano. I did a coverage on Titano. I don't think this went on the podcast. And I I looked at it. I looked at it the first time at a high level. I didn't go deep because I knew they were doing V2 after they stole that money from that whale. So they, they do the V2. I let it marinate because I want to be fair. I looked at the V2 and I don't know what the heck's going on. Market Boost swears it's a it's a straight scam. It's worse scored than Seifu by the car salesman. I didn't think that was possible. But this is Titano, now the originator of all these different types of tokens. And Market Moose swears it's an absolute scam. But with blatantly obvious signs, like things, the owner wallet has crap tons of tokens, millions of dollars worth of it. The website doesn't tell you much. It's, it's right. And so it's like obvious that there's something wrong. You don't know what could be that they just don't care anymore. But when you look back at some of their social media, they straight said, we're going to renounce. We're going to be out of this. They didn't do anything with what they said. So there should be no trust in the devs. That makes it easy to make a decision. If you're a gambler, your decision might be, you know what, whatever. I don't care about the devs. I'll just gamble it. Cool. But if you're like me, you're like, I don't trust these guys because they're not I see they're not doing stuff right. And I don't know why. And they're not explaining why. So I believe that we're, it's going to get easier to identify these scummy projects now because it's harder to survive because you're not getting that like random unreasonable pump off tokens like you did before. As things are down, this is when the rubber meets the road. And I think we're going to see that play out over the next couple. So what I would say to you, if you're, if you're curious to me, the best thing you could do for a portfolio is not stare at the graphs. Number one, not stare at the graphs. I would put an alert on the primary tokens, Bitcoin, Ethereum, BNB, AVAX, Polygon, Matic, like the main tokens. I put an alert on those and just wait. I would not stare at graphs. I know it's tempting. Trust me, I understand, but I would not stare at graphs. All it's going to do is depress you when ultimately there's nothing you can do about it. Think about it. There's not really much you can do about it. 
But the reason I would keep an eye on the main tokens is it gives you a sense of the sentiment of the industry as a whole. Where are we going? Are we heading downward? Are we heading upward? And if you see that everything is trending downward, you already know your projects are likely going downward and not going to make you an instant millionaire. So there's no reason staring at the graphs. Sure. That's, that's my opinion. You are free to do however you choose to do it. I'm just saying I don't think there's any reason to stare at graphs when we know what the outcome is going to be. The outcome is going to be you're just getting pissed off because things are dipping. They're dipping possibly because of dev incompetence, but also because it's a bear season. When you're evaluating new projects now, you're going to have to take a deeper look at some of the fundamentals if you want to be careful and look for things that are obvious things that say red flag, klaxon, go off in your head. That's my advice. You are free to ignore me. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying what I recommend you do in this current time. I still maintain that I have a theory that we're going to be headed towards bullish sentiment in May and June because we're coming off of tax season and there's going to be tax refunds. I could absolutely get it wrong. I'm just giving you my feeling of what I think should happen, logically speaking. And we'll have to let time tell us where we're going to go from here. So as far as the industry, that's all I got. I don't want to spend too much time talking about all this stuff and what's going on because I don't want to depress you any further and I don't want to anger you any further. And frankly, nobody really knows. I'm going to hold fast to my predictions and let time tell us. Now, let's go ahead and get into our underdog token for the day. I say underdog because I'm pretty sure very few people know about it. And just FYI. I have said in the past that I am not necessarily sold on NFTs or their value, but I am open as one of the YouTube show uh, programs to reviewing NFTs that matter. And for me, I want to make sure that the NFT does something. It's not just artwork or if it is artwork, it's got to be, you know, like a Bob Ross NFT line. I think would go crazy, you know, something like that, that, okay, I can sell that. But I don't want it to be like, you know, that there's that one girl and all she's doing is posing with signs and all this crap. I don't think those are really, I don't personally rate those. Not because I don't want the artist to make some money. That's fine. I just think at some point it's got to do something. So I have not covered any NFT projects other than ETH Jets because ETH Jets specifically does something and they wanted that smoke. They came on the show, talked to us. That episode is in the archives if you want to listen to it. At some point in the future, we are going to have our guest that we mentioned that came from Casual Talk Radio, invite her to the show, chat with us some more about NFTs. She's got some projects and things. That's in the works. I'm going to be doing that after I do my move and everything else. So I have not tackled any NFT projects on purpose for this reason. But this project caught my eye, not for the fact it's associated with NFTs, but for the tokenomics that they describe. And it's already at number two. This project is X2Y2. Site is X2Y2.io. And it appears to be, now this, I stress the word appears to be because their site frankly sucks at what I want. I'll get to that in a second. But it appears to be trying to compete with OpenSea. And if you didn't know, there's a number of different projects out there all trying to compete with OpenSea. There are different services for buying and selling NFTs. It's not just OpenSea, it's just that OpenSea is arguably the most well-known. This one looks like it's trying to take that throne from them. As far as I can tell, now when I looked at their site, I'll, what I was going to come back to, I was very displeased to see that, I mean, their site frankly sucks because 
Like what I want from a site is I want to know about the people behind the project. I want to know who you are. Ideally, I'd like to see some LinkedIn so I can learn more about your credentials. I need you to act like a business and they don't do that. So I was already pissed off because I could not get the information that I wanted blatantly. Even their contact us form, which I would expect to just simply be a generic form. They're using a third party form. It's not like a basic, you know, here's our email address. Here's our physical address. So I can know what, what country they are and the way they built this thing. Nothing. There's no way to really know who are these people. And I, I can't stand projects that do that. So I figured, okay, let me just learn about the project at least so I can talk about it here with you guys. They don't have a PDF white paper and mind you, they do have a token backing this business. So there's a token, it gets traded, bought and sold like any other token. And that appears to power this marketplace that has all these NFT projects built into it. And I'll get to that NFT side in a second, but I was trying to understand then, let me at least dig into the project, the tokenomics, see what it is. They use a different service for holding their documents. I can't tell what the service is. It looks like Docusaurus. I've never heard of, but it, it's my, it's just as bad as the garbage get book, which I don't know why there's so much incessant push to not have a PDF for these basic type things for the tokenomics. It's a billion supply. They did the vast majority of these as staking rewards. So the way they did this is that as you participate in this process, you can stake and then get rewards for the staking, but you also get a share of rewards for being part of this process and basically market fees for part of this process. Initially, they did what looks like an airdrop to OpenSea users. I didn't receive such an airdrop. I'll get back to that in a second. So I don't know if there was some logic as to who they selected for the airdrop. If they only targeted certain like blue check people on OpenSea or what that was all about. I just, I didn't receive anything. So it wasn't everybody, I guess they did do a presale. They didn't have all their tokens in the pre-sale. It's a very small amount for the pre-sale. The vast majority are staking rewards. So the distribution of tokens is designed to benefit those that were doing the staking part of the process. There's a small percentage for the dev wallet, small percentage for their treasury, small percentage for liquidity management. So there's a, it's not an even distribution, I guess is my summary in, and that's not a bad thing. I just call it out for what it is. It's on the Ethereum chain. So you can buy it through Uniswap if you want to buy and sell just the token and call it a day. So if you were to do this, you'd have to treat it basically as an investment in their service, the X2Y2 service for NFTs is essentially what you're doing. It looks like they have a vesting schedule. They call it an emission schedule. I'm going to call it a vesting schedule where a certain percentage of tokens are unlocked over time for the staking, for the pre-sale for the dev wallets for the treasury they're released and it looks like it's a pretty aggressive schedule not aggressive but like a pretty i don't want to say picky schedule but it's a weird schedule so basically it looks like six months out then there's a distribution or maybe four months out there's a distribution six months and then you know 12 months and so on so you're waiting a long time before you get your money off this thing for what's in the treasury for the devs. So that's good because the devs can't get enriched immediately and dump off the project. And then the pre-sale has the similar curve. The airdrop of course is up front, And then it looks like it's just a basic release. Like it's a fixed release 
over time. So it, what I'm getting at is that nobody, it looks like nobody is fully enriched, fresh out of the gate. That means that there should, in theory, be price stability. When I looked at the graph, it does appear to have some general stability to the graph movement. Some whales that bought into the project skyrocketed the price. It debuted at like, I want to say like 20 cents, 30 cents, some crazy low number. The whales, when they bought in this thing and then did some dumps, it got as high as almost five bucks. And then it went back down, which is the same as all the other ones. I think, in my opinion, how they might have launched this, it based on the graph, it appears to me they don't have any whale management mechanics. The reason that's important is that with the vesting schedule, when you get to the tail end of the vesting, so now you're talking years out, two, three years out, you could have the same thing happen again, where you have unreasonable levels of pump and then unreasonable dumping because of those whales. Or if people got frustrated with the vesting and didn't know, then it might be that the token never really recovers to its all-time high, which is about five bucks. It's a risky project no matter how you slice it because, yes, it's based on NFTs. Yes, NFTs have some chatter. But with the way that they built it, I'm not sure that you're fully insulated from the pump and dump treatment. I guess that's my summary thoughts on what I see. And I don't know why they built it that way because if you're going to support with the NFT-based project, what I would have rather seen them do is simply release based on the success of your listings, right? Because if you're bought in, you're now enticing them to buy in. The more NFTs you list on our platform, we'll give you a drop of, of this token. And you can't sell them out right away, but the more that you list, the shorter your vesting schedule goes. You know, something there that entices people to engage more on the platform. Now, I said I was going to come back to that because I don't know the logic that they're using to allow people to get on this. I have an NFT that I minted myself and it's just sitting in my wallet. I've never marketed it. I've never made it available because I'm actually waiting ironically for the new Dragon Quest game. And then I plan to put it out and say, does anybody want this? Because it's tied to Dragon Quest, but it's my own NFT and there's only four ever in existence. So I think I can make some good bank on it, but I also have a bunch of other NFTs that were given to me. I've never paid for an NFT in my life, never planned to, but I have a bunch of them and I, I have some up for sale of my supply. And the way their site reads, you should be able to list these here as an alternate listing. It even says import from OpenSea. All right, so I tie my wallet and I'd see, okay, it should find all my NFTs and it doesn't. I even double check to make sure I'm on the right wallet because I've got like 15 wallets. Yes, I'm on the right wallet for all of my NFTs and it doesn't see them. What I think is happening, and I can't prove this, but what I think is happening is they may only support Ethereum NFTs. If that's true, in my opinion, it's dead in the water. <laughs> and you're like, that's pretty extreme. Listen, what we're seeing now because of the gas fees is that Polygon NFTs, predominantly Polygon, Polygon NFTs, and then to a lesser degree, I would say even Avalanche, but Polygon for sure. These are the ones that people are really going to because you can mint them for free, essentially free. So I, I believe that the Ethereum-based NFTs are going to be less and less a thing. I could get it wrong, but even if I were right or wrong, doesn't matter. I question if you're going to be a replacement to OpenSea. OpenSea supports all sorts of different networks. They just set up Solana. So, it's not whether or not you can have a marketplace. Anybody can do that. But 
if you're not matching the diversity of network support that OpenSea supports, you're dead in the water in my eyes because that's what's its standout is that it doesn't matter which of these networks you choose to have your NFT on. You can pick any of these multiple networks. If these guys don't support it, and I'm not saying they do or don't, I'm saying from what I can tell, they don't. I think it's dead in the water until they get to the point that they support it. So if you want to take a look at it, I encourage you to do so. X2Y2.io is the site. It's on the Ethereum network. Again, there is a token, so you can search it on Dex Tools or Dex Screen or whichever if you want to see the price movement. But check it out. Again, I, I'm not trashing them as a project. It's fine. It's it's well built, right? But I again, I think they're lacking information about them. And that's a gap for me. I don't like to see that. I think their vesting schedule is a turnoff, in my opinion. I like that there is one. I think it's too extreme. And I think they had to figure out a way to entice people to buy into this, like to list their NFTs, which goes to my third issue, which is what criteria are you using to allow people to list NFTs? If you're only allowing people to have a blue check mark to list NFTs, you're doing it wrong because anybody should be able to sell an NFT. If you own an NFT, regardless of how you got it, regardless of whether you created it, you should be able to sell that bad boy. And if you can't do that, you're not really in a marketplace and you certainly aren't decentralized. You're centralized. That's great. If you want to be a centralized NFT marketplace to where it's only the creators who can sell, then pitch your product that way. And now it's a different consideration. Now I'm evaluating you as a centralized, but they straight say on their main website that they are trying to be a decentralized NFT market space. And they can't do that if they won't let other people list their NFTs or they can try, but they'll fail if they don't support anything other than Ethereum-based NFTs due to the gas we just freaking saw. That was getting up in $9,000 because the other NFT minting thing. That means you're not sustainable because it means your whole process grinds to a halt whenever that garbage happens. That's kind of my thought process. So check it out. See what you think on it. Maybe I'm off and maybe I have people who listen who are really big into NFTs and they can't stand OpenSea. I think OpenSea is garbage, but I understand it right now is the best at what it does. That's why I'm saying if you're going to compete with them, you got to be better than them. And what I see is not better. It's it's arguably not even close. And with that, that's all I got for you guys here today on Crypto Talk Radio. Hopefully you've noticed that I am working steadily to streamline the episodes. Part of that is because a lot of the crypto news has grind to a halt, which is good. <laughs> It's good because there was a lot going on in the last couple of years and I'm, it's good to get a breather and kind of breathe, stretch, shake and let it go. But also as I'm working my, with my client and I'm working on new endeavors and the YouTube, there's a lot of disparate information. The podcast is still going to be what it is. It's still going to provide you internal news. It's still going to provide you external news. So I'm not guaranteeing you that the episodes are going to stay this short. I'm saying that for now, we're fortunately in a lull that allows me to streamline the way I do the coverage for you guys. But I am getting back, as I mentioned, into the cadence of underdog tokens you can take a look at. These are likely not going to be discussed on the YouTube show. So if you're also on the YouTube channel, this is going to be your one stop to hear about these things. If you're not on the YouTube channel, I do encourage you to at least take a look at it and see if that flow and what it's doing is more your speed. Now that I've relaunched it as its own type of program, it might be something that you like. And then maybe you want to do both. I will tell you, if the podcast is kind of your preference, 
you know, being able to listen to these offline, like you could download it, listen to it offline and go somewhere else. If you join this triad, and I know you don't want to hear that, but I want to make sure you know, if you join this triad, two of the membership tiers will give you access to the version of the YouTube channel as an audio podcast. So the offline ability to listen to it, I think is appealing. So if that's something that does appeal to you, do consider whether or not that may make sense for you as a reason to subscribe to Triad, if nothing else. All right, folks, I'm going to check in with you guys on Thursday. Fortunately, there's not a lot going on this week other than my client. We got casual talk tomorrow, and then we'll be back on crypto talk Thursday, combat talk on Friday. Other than that, I'll be doing some Leicester Live updates as I find them. We're going to be doing one on basis. So if that's something that you're curious about, might want to check Leicester Live on the YouTube channel. But beyond that, there's very little happening, and I'm happy about that because time is not necessarily on my side. Take care, guys, and please, I know there's a lot of red candles. Just wait it out. I believe in my heart of hearts, it's temporary. Uh, you know, the, the president's going to say what he does and crashes things, but I think we will recover. It's just a matter of when, and we'll have to wait and see. And I believe firmly, firmly, that it's temporary. We just don't know how long it will last. And it's good because if nothing else, if you're confident in certain of the cryptocurrencies, like say you're confident in Bitcoin, treat it as a discount, a very steep discount. Treat it as we're back in 2011 or 2010, like with Mr. Sagala, talking about it's there's going to be something here, just buy a little bit of it and just stack a little bit of it, 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 little bit of it as it dips and see what happens as long as you don't YOLO into anything, you got really not much to lose. Just make sure it's throwaway money. This might be your opportunity to get in on the entry level. Plus, remember, ETH2O is going to show up at some point. I know they keep delaying it, but at some point it's going to show up. The more Ethereum you're holding, when that thing launches, it has a very good chance of getting up into the five figures pretty quick out the gate because at that point, gas doesn't hold it back from growth. So just some food for thought. I'm not making a recommendation. I'm saying... Think about the projects you trust. Think about the projects that have your confidence. Create an investment strategy for the ones that have your confidence. And why? Well, these are ones that have always been around, right? So they're less likely to go away. Then think about, okay, what money can I afford to throw at these? And there's less mean coins that are worth the time. Great. Now you can add to your fundamentals and just stack those. Food for thought all. Take care.